Tanisha People's Live on the People's Voice Pod. As always, I got my brothers, Jason Allen, Nehemiah Frank. Neo is, again, the executive director of the Black Wall Street Times in Tulsa. Jason is an educator, Black male educator, um, activist extraordinaire in Atlanta. And today we are joined by my home here in Chicago. Ashley does a lot of work in the communities. Um, she specifically works in policy. Policy. She does a lot of work in Springfield. Um, so welcome, y'all. How y'all doing today? Good. How are you doing? It's a good day. I am. Um, I'm better. You know, last week was tough um, because everything was going down, and I'm happy to say that this week is totally different. Um, my energy is um, just so in such a better place. And um, I'm grateful for that. Um, so yeah, you know, just just really transferring that energy into positive efforts to rebuild our communities has helped, has helped significantly. And um, I wanted to jump into it because that's going to be part of our conversation today, how we heal as um, a community that's been, you know, ravaged by racism, which is one pandemic that's been everlasting and also COVID-19 and um, everything that's happened um, with protests and riots and things, so how we come together and heal ourselves in the aftermath. But um, before we get started, one topic of conversation today is that of all lives matter, right? All black lives matter. Ooh, I almost messed up there. <laughs> I had to correct myself. All black lives matter. And um, I think, and we think it's an important conversation because um, I actually posted a Facebook status last week in which I came out um, for the first time ever as wow. a person um, in the LGBTQ community. And I felt the need to do that. Well, I did that because first of all, I've never felt the need to have a, a conversation publicly around who I date, you know, but I've seen so many people that I am supposedly close to trashing um, <laughs> trans people you know, trans black lives and not advocating for those black lives. And so my, my position was, is that if you care about black lives, you care about black trans lives. And if you care about me, then you at least care enough to really structure your message in a way that's not hurtful and it's, that's intentional and that's inclusive. And so I want to jump in that because, um, you know, at the time when we're being attacked on all sides, we just don't have time for this divisiveness in our community. So what y'all got to say on this this subject of all Black Lives Matter? Well, you know, I am a person for the liberation of all people and uh, justice for all people. So um, I completely agree that uh, all Black lives do matter. And that includes, um, you know, those who are in the trans community. They are Black lives. They are our brothers, our sisters, um, our non-binary folks. And so I affirmed them. I wanted to, um, <laughs> I posted a blog today on my personal blog. Um, so guys, please check that out. If you're on Twitter, definitely check it out. It comes from our co-founder of Profound Gentlemen, which is an organization that supports um, male educators of color, as well as um, young boys of color that are in public schools. And um I noticed last week with this being Pride Month, you know, I wanted to make sure that the voices of those who um, identify with various struggles in our community are heard. And I was very taken aback, you know, much like Tanisha, the hate that I received from making a simple post. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm very strategic in how I do things. 
Um, I am going to spare this pastor and their church <laughs> name in Atlanta, but I do want to read this message that a colleague of mine sent me um, that was a comment on my post um, that has since been <laughs> deleted because, you know, I, I try not to bring negative traction to the stories that I'm posting, but I found this to be interesting from a pastor and a black pastor in Atlanta. Um, and it was this statement. I saw your post on Facebook and social media about all black lives matter. Um, those who identify as queer. I'm here to tell you that they don't matter and that if you believe in this, you don't matter either. You need to do your job reporting the news on educational reform and not promoting other agendas. And I'll, I'll kind of stop there because I don't want to go into the negativity that was in that message. But I wanted to share that on this platform because I think that it's important for us to recognize that there's a lot of healing that has to take place within our community before we can move forward. It's an atrocity within itself for people to be out in the streets of Atlanta or Pittsburgh or DC or anywhere else in this country and in one breath saying Black Lives Matters, but then when you see the Black homeless person, you step over them because you don't think that they're worth anything. Um, when you go into lower income communities, you look down on them because you feel like, oh, well, they should have took advantage of the good teachers they had and really got a better education and ended generational poverty. When you look down on those who identify as ill, um, any of the letters that are in the acronym for those who identify with what America would say is alternative lifestyle, but it's the lifestyle that they choose. I feel like we put ourselves in a very bad position when we use any tool. Um, whether it's the Bible, whether it's the Constitution that drives systematic oppression of any person. And so I would love for us as a community to start there. We can't uplift Black Lives Matters and have stipulations. And that has to start with us first, because when I'm holding our counter, you know, our colleagues, our counterparts accountable, baby, listen, our lives matter. I don't care if you have a Ph.D., if you have a GED, if you have a no E or D or any degree. You matter because you are a human being and we have to start there first. Right. So that was my kind of introduction to what I wanted to speak on. Um, to piggyback off of what was just said, look, I think we as a people can't afford to be divided in any way. Um, I think that has always been the case, but I think especially now it's too much at stake. So whether you... Uh, whatever your lifestyle is, you matter. And I think that is a message that we need to harp on. Harp on. I had someone um, on Twitter disagree with me about, um, so I work with charter schools in Illinois. Um, and so that's my fight. My, my fight is more legislative and policy-based, right? Um, I am learning the grassroots and learning the other side of things. But um, the young lady attacked me on Twitter for saying like basically that I was in opposition to the black community because I choose to represent charter schools. While that is a whole different debate in itself, um, what matters one is that education for black and brown kids, black kids essentially in this in this conversation, like good education and quality education matters, period. And if you think that traditional public schools or Catholic school, whatever choice that you choose, that's fine. But we can't afford to be divided. Like we can disagree on one issue, but also agree that all lives matter, that we need to fight together. I, I think we missed the point as a people where we get stuck on the little issues and let that divide us for the bigger cause. Um, so that's what I will add to that. But I agree, all lives matter, regardless from a homeless person to a janitor, um, from the person you don't know. Um, I think we need to focus on on what unites us, and I think that will help us move stronger together. That's so I'm good. Glad that you, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Ashley, because I want to jump in this conversation to what can unite us, because, you know, if we look at it, there's a lot of people who are closed-minded, a lot of people who are undereducated, and a lot of people who are just, you know, hateful. And so what tactics can we use as um, Black people, as young people, as um, voices in our communities to really unite us in this moment so that we can move towards that healing that we all need as a community? That's a good question. That's um, a great question. I think that everybody, of course, is going to have varying, you know, opinions and thoughts, but I will say this, what I have noticed, especially in this time in protest and people wanting to stand in solidarity, um, music brings us together. Art brings us together. And so, I think this is such a great time for artists and musicians to present 
you know, pieces of art that represent the times that we're living in. Um, those things bring us together. You know, I think that it's a, a good time for us to have, you know, music. You know, I growing up in the 90s when the Black Panther movie came out, you know, we had freedom. We had You Will Know. We had all these different anthems and songs throughout the 90s that really empowered people um, that were socially conscious. And so we need that, you know, even more in this time to keep people focused, um, you know, put some movement behind the actual protest and the rallies. Like, this is what we're doing, empowering people to vote, um, empowering people to reform these, you know, racist systems in America, from healthcare to education to the financial institutions, et cetera, and so forth. Um, so I'll start with music and art. I think that they are a good tool of driving people to unity and bringing us together. I would say for me, I try to use um, my platform to educate people. And that sounds super basic, right? But I think one of the first steps is making sure that we're all on the same page. And while like things like government and politics weren't really meant for us to understand, I think it's important that we take the time to educate ourselves about different issues and what's going on. And that's everything from stemming from voting to where we started. I think, you know, black history is so much, right? And, and, and as a black person, we're kind of responsible for knowing some of the main things. But I think if we take the time to educate about systems, stuff that the schools do not teach us, um, stuff from, even from, um, taking us on a practical level, stuff that you didn't learn as a child, like how to put a tire on your car. Like if we start with education and make that universal so we can all be on the same page, not agreeing with everything, right? Like we we, will be a people that disagree on many things. Um, But if we start with education to help people understand what's going on and why it matters and how it affects us, I think we as a people will be better off. And I just think, I mean, it's like the music, the arts are necessary to document what's going on. And I mean, that's how our ancestors did it, right? We have poetry from from things that have happened and we have art and pictures that that depict like the struggle and and the torment that we went through. But we wouldn't have it if we didn't have everybody use what they have. And and to touch on that really quick, I think a lot of everybody doesn't want to be a senator. Everybody doesn't want to be a doctor. But if you use your lane and your fight and your talent to educate and bring us together, I think that's where we have to start. No one every. Every person is different. Every person has different gifts. Everybody has a different calling. But once you unite those callings and bring people together with what they have, you can build on that. You better speak, Monson. You better say that. <laughs> oh, how I am. I'm just going to keep it 100. I'm about to, I'm about to talk about white people. Uh-oh. Um, because when we go back to history before, you know, this place was even named America, Uh, before we even knew what white people were, um, you know, we had systems in Africa where um, it was, it was, it was valuable or or virtuous for a person to have two spirits. And so who are these two spirited human beings? These are people that are, you know, in the LGBTQ community. And we never learned about that history because it was taken from us. And so, you know, going back to what my sister just said, learning history and education is, it is the most profound thing that we can do for ourselves as a people. Um, Because we weren't, we weren't hating. We we were taught to hate each other. We were taught to be uh, divisive with each other and to, to pick out things that make us different different, you know, but in actuality, the very thing that sustained us over millennia, you know, before our colonization was um, our, um, our differences. Yeah. And I I just wanted to combine all of that, like Jason, when you talk about what brings us together in the arts, you know, with like music and culture and, you know, other things. And then Ashley education and then Neo history, like all that to me sounds like having, having conversations with people, you know, because um, to me, what it seems like is how we really encourage this unity is by practicing love and acceptance, you know, and I, I said on my post, like, you don't even have to accept my lifestyle, but you're going to respect me. And what right. that is, is I wonder how many people who have this hate for 
or this disdain or disgust for people in the LGBTQ community or for people who may not be in the same um, income bracket or socioeconomic status or whatever, have you ever sat down and had a conversation with any of those people to really try to seek some understanding and bridge that gap between that love and hate or misunderstanding? And so when you have, when you talk about what you don't understand or what's gross or why can't people do this, have a conversation and understand those circumstances. And that's how we build unity. Because at the end of the day, as um, Nicole Lynch said on the Facebook post, we, we don't all agree. We're different people. We may not all agree on how to get to a certain goal, but I think that we all have the same goal. And that goal is unity, right? And so having those conversations are important and really talking about strategy and understanding the overall love so that we can move as one and not disjointed, right? right. And I, I totally agree pop in there and uh, kind of go back to what um, uh, Munson, is that how you pronounce your name? Munson, yeah. had mentioned, and she said, you know, there's not a lot of us. Hello. And so we have to stick together because, I mean, if you out here killing transgender Black uh, women or, you know, just killing your brother, period, like we're losing votes. (laughs) You know what I mean? At the end of the day. So um, we really don't we need to stick together and we need to educate. Yeah. I think the education comes through conversations too. And people have to be willing to have those conversations. You know, today my fiance reminded me, it was like, you know, on this day last year, you know, we had our engagement party and it was one of the most liberating, yeah, you know, free moments, you know, in both of our lives, you know, our families came, um, you know, my godmother was like a grandmother, you know, to our family that passed away actually in the midst of COVID-19 was there. And, you know, one of the words that she spoke was that, you know, your ancestors would be proud because you're living in your truth. And I think a lot of times we get so consumed with wanting to control people. You know, Tanisha, you kind of touched upon that, you know, this is awkward or it's weird or why would you choose to do that? But the reality is, you know, the higher being of this world gave everybody free will. You know, now I wish that, you know, God would have considered giving people free will and common sense uh, because that is what is a big problem with people. Like we don't have common sense, which is why people lack common decency. Okay. You know, I can live in my truth because it's my truth. It's not your truth. You know, even when I have these conversations with my students, when they want to tease, you know, and bully other people, y'all focus on the wrong thing because the reality is this. If you're not attracted to that brother or that sister, why are you worried about who they're attracted to anyway? Why is it any of your concern? Is The concern is so much on the wrong Thing, but not about how unconditional love presents itself in so many variations. And so, you know, that's the message that I want to drive today, especially in our community, is that we need to get back to unconditional love. You know, those messages that our forefathers in our communities, not of America, um, our ancestors, our great grandparents, what they drove and how they stood together. It was unconditional love, baby. I love you in spite of you getting on my nerves. I love you in spite of the things that you do wrong. And even when you do things wrong, unconditional love holds you accountable. And I feel like we lack that too. Well, I know you like to do this, so I'm just going to let you go out. No, it's time out for that. Like when we see something going wrong in our community, we ought to have enough love and courage to say, hey, sister, you're not really doing that in the best way because it's harming other people. A brother, hey, you're not really doing this in the right way. It's harming other people. And we have to get to a place within ourselves where we can reach unconditional love to be able to show that to other people. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's transition a little bit, if y'all don't mind, to um, early on, we mentioned this conversation being around kind of, um, we have to multitask. We got to walk and chew gum in this, in this revolution that is growing and um, all of the effort that it takes to, to sustain that. So again, that is working to rebuild our communities. That's working to dismantle um, um, systemic racism. That is working to maintain our sanity through self-care and um, ooh, self-care. <laughs> um, I just lost my whole train of thought, but so what efforts are y'all seeing happening that, you know, contribute to all of that? And where do y'all see that trajectory going in the future as far as maintaining this movement? Hmm. Good. 
I think collaboration, I mean, I, I think certain people and certain groups have been working together for a while, but I, I, I'm starting to see a lot of more collaboration amongst us. And and while I think sometimes we, we do have an issue with uniting with one issue or one cause, um, I'm seeing a lot of folks talk and have those conversations that we were just talking about. And while, like um, Jason said, like that that's where education happens is in conversation. So I'm seeing a lot of collaboration. And while that may not be like a, a sexy line item, but I think that's where it starts. Um, having people, uh, allies that look like you, that don't look like you come together and have those conversations and begin to plan. Um, and I even planning for a march that I'm doing, I'm just seeing a lot of people willing to, to help. Um, I question the consistency sometimes because things happen and then it dies down and then something else bad happens and then we're ready to fight. But I even have hope after this that it will be longevity. Um, I, I think it, it takes us to sacrifice our time and understanding that this movement is not convenient, meaning um, we'll have to take time out our schedules and be that much more actionable to pursue um, the cause. However, I'm seeing collaboration and a lot of people just willing to jump in where they can and, and, and people asking like, how, like, what are specific ways that I can help? Like whether that's donating or asking, you know, about organizations. But I think collaboration is is, is happening on a greater level. Let me ask a question real quick before um, Neil and Jason jump in. And this is for all of y'all. So, Ashley, you mentioned longevity. Right. And so what what gives you the impression that and this is not me, this is just me, you know, playing kind of not devil's advocate or, you know, trying to broaden the perspective. What now gives you the impression that this longevity exists. And and specifically when we talked about we black people have had issues with the police for ever, right? And so right. now you know all these efforts around police reform and removing police from school and things like that when we've been doing that stuff and it hasn't really happened. And so what elements exist right now that gives y'all the notion um that this is something that's going to stick. These efforts are going to stick. Well, I don't know if the efforts are going to stick. I feel like our voices, you know, are what will continue to drive, you know, how the field is played. Because, again, this is a game in America. Like, it's systematic. And so how do we go about these systematic approaches? You know, everyone gives their their opinions, and that's what the world of social media has created. But then I always challenge these people when I go look on their page, but what work are you doing? And we all know this too well in the work that we've been doing over the years. Now, how many people are going to come back and volunteer in our, in our schools because our children need us? Who is at these daycare centers ensuring that our children are going to be protected? Because when we start talking about the realities of this country opening it back up, we are not looking at our, the vulnerable areas within our community, the homeless, our children, early learning centers, our senior citizens that are in these nursing homes that are still being attacked by COVID-19. And so I'm seeing a lot of loose rep, a lot of good conversations. But then when I go to these people pages, it's right back to business as usual. And we can't go back to business as usual because we're, we've lost too many lives already and we have too many lives at stake. So we can't just continue to elevate people. And we do this a lot in our community, hence our celebrities. We will get behind a celebrity at the drop of a dime. And it's like, Lil Boosie, you were abusing your own children. But mm. now we're promoting you because you went to a protest. Everybody wants to be We've been that. protesting. Like, we've been out here. So, you know, we have to change the direction of who we are supporting. Just like we'll say this about the Democrats. Well, not all Democrats. Just like it's not all Black people. Just like it's not all white people are allies or all white people are racist. We have to really elevate the people who have a track record of change. And I'm not seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of people's, you know, being elevated because of who they know um, and a position that they may have. But I don't see a lot of people being elevated that are truly doing the work on the ground who need to be guiding school systems on how you can reform, who need to be guiding us on how we can reform the healthcare system, et cetera, and so forth. Yeah. So oh, really uh, amplifying those unsung heroes, basically. Right. So uh, to, little, to the little Boosie comment, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm happy that he's on the ground and he showed up. 
Uh, and the reason why I'm going to say that is because he has the, the economic resources uh, to bail out brothers and sisters to um, get unjustly incarcerated whenever, you know, the police decide that they just want to go white supremacy on everybody and start throwing them in jail because they're uh, demonstrating their constitutional rights. Um, and, you know, I, I say that also because um, there is um, a big celebrity that's helping us right now. And, you know, if I if some of us get arrested, then we're going to call his staff and say, look, we need y'all to get us up out of jail because we're here and we were doing a demonstration and they they rounded us up and put us on Lamestide, right? <laughs> some mess like that. Um, but um, as far as the movement goes, for Black people, for, for Black leaders like us, I think that um, it's always been a continuous push for us. And, you know, for our parents and our grandparents' generation, there's, there's always a small few of us who are pushing the needle with all of the energy that God has given us. And so, you know, I believe that we're going to continue doing that. Um, and I say... I think it's nice to finally see some maybe like, and by some, maybe just a little bit more of uh, white America starting to, to wake up. I hate that it's taken the death of, you know, three or four more uh, brothers and sisters of, of ours. Um, but they're starting to wake up and maybe that has something to do with the fact that the unemployment rate is still pretty damn high and they have nothing to do, but sit at home and watch CNN or MSNBC. And, and see people march down their streets. Uh, so I think that, um, I do think that at some point there will be a, like a decline of the protest and white people will forget, oh yeah, that's right. Black people are still facing injustices. And, um, but I think that now is we're in that pivotal moment, the civil rights period, there was a pivotal moment they knew that there was so much policy, uh, so many policy changes that they could shove through the door at that moment. We're in that moment right now. So now is the time to push for as many policy changes that affect Black lives as possible. And to hop in real quick, I think when we talk about earlier about longevity, I have two thoughts that kind of counter each other, but one is the same question you had, Tanisha. Like, I said the collaboration is happening and a point of contention for me is like, is this just for the moment? Like what will December look like? Like what will next February look like? Right. So that's the one side I feel. The other side is I posted something on Facebook that said God never wastes a crisis. And what uh, Nehemiah just said, as far as this is a pivotal moment and one where, I mean, I'm 28. So, I mean, there have been plenty of things that have happened in our lifetime that are, have been devastating. But for me, this just hits different. And, and not that, you know, you know, people will die down and people will lose the message. But like Nehemiah said again, like it's, it's some of us that keep the movement going. And even for me, my life has been based in advocacy. And that's why I think I'm on this earth is to advocate for people who do not have a voice. And even I have a fire lit under me. And it, it's my focus has always been U.S. foreign policy. But now I'm like, Ashley, before you go to the nations, what aren't you doing in Chicago? Like what how can you help here before you do foreign the foreign service? And so I say that to say, like, I know if I'm a leader and I've been out here learning, learning and growing. Right. And not making every, like making mistakes, but still growing. I know there are people like us that are out there like, hey. This fire just got a little bit heightened and I want to move and do more. So I, while I still have that hesitancy of, you know, is it just the moment? But I, I have hope. I have hope that this will be greater. And I'm not saying that police brutality will stop tomorrow. I'm saying what we're riding right now, if we do this correctly, I think it, ha it can have momentum for a while and not just with criminal, criminal justice reform. I'm talking about black people being so tired, us, our generation being so tired and teaching the generation that comes after us and combining with those resources and history and wisdom from our ancestors and those who are older than us. I think there is a tangible um, pipeline here where we grab a hold, we can move forward. And I, I don't have like the concrete statistics and facts that can tell you like this is right or this is valid, but I see it. And if we, if we do it right, 
we can make more momentum or make uh, more headway than we have in the past. It's okay that you don't have the numbers. We deal with qualitative data here because we all have experience as Black people. You know, we know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I really do appreciate y'all comments. And it's not that I am a believer in, or I feel like momentum has ever been lost. There have always been Black people fighting. You know, but we see again those historical moments. And so when we look at the civil rights movement, when all of Black America was united for civil rights. And so it's almost like, is it, are we having a civil rights movement part two now? And how do we keep that going so that we, again, won't lose that momentum? And also in this moment, we can teach our kids about that leadership so that they carry it. You know, and so that's kind of what I was asking. Like, you know, is this something that we can sustain? Is this the civil rights movement part two? You know, um, and, you know, just how do we keep that going? But going back to solutions, um, we talked about leadership and really uplifting those unsung heroes. And we talked about policy. This is a this is a time to really push policies and practices that work in our best interest. What else what else can we do? What else are we doing? What are y'all seeing? You know, I, I'm seeing, you know, one of the things I was going to mention is on Twitter, you know, someone created a, a feed of, you know, minority and black owned businesses. Uh, and I think that that's a start. You know, I don't think that directories are outdated. I think that every city, you know, whether it's by community or have is, you know, created, it could definitely even be online. I think that there needs to be a happy medium of both, but we need those directories. Where are our small businesses, minority owned, black owned businesses within our communities that we can say, hey, here's a list guys, we need to go and make sure that we are supporting, you know, these businesses. I've seen a lot of the reality stars in Atlanta that have taken different stances. Some of them were like, we're out here protesting. We're not going to, you know, die down. We wanted to be peaceful. Where I see other people using their platforms to do just that. They're highlighting a different business, you know, every day. And so they're using their platform. Listen, I know I have hundreds of thousands of people that are coming to see what I'm talking about. Hey, here is information. Every day you can choose where you want to Support. I said all that to say that I think we definitely need to do that for those who are advocating for um, education reform, because everyone is not is not in the same place in regards to what that should look like. Uh, for example, in Atlanta, you know, they took advocacy real strong. We don't want police in our schools. But then they went and developed their own police department. So it's kind of like, well, just because it's not the city police, it's still people that came you know from that area like they still lack you know that training and still to this day in unnamed high schools in Atlanta but we know they're there because we have the photos and the footage from the students where these same officers are slamming kids down in the hallway because you needed to go to the restroom something as simple as that it's happening in Atlanta it's happening in Gwinnett and all throughout our state and so I think that if we start there you know making a list of you know, educational advocates and organizations that are really and truly supporting reform, that's a good uh, resource because a lot of teachers are tweeting and talking about, oh, we really need to do something different. Racism is really alive in our schools. And I'm like, where the fuck have you been all this time? It's been in our schools. So if you're an educator, like five to 10, what is even more disappointing, 10 plus years, and you are just now realizing that racism is in our school, well, hell, we had a loss there because what are you teaching our children? So mm -hmm. definitely maybe creating that list of, you know, educational nonprofits and educational activists who are doing the work and have a track record of doing the work would definitely help, you know, keep momentum going in our uh, various cities. I just want to jump in. One of the things that Sharif el Mehdi said on the um, Citizen Ed Freedom Friday show was, we need to not focus on racism so much and focus on ourselves. Um, Neil, did you just roll your eyes? I mean, I don't know how to respond to that. You know, I love that brother. You know, so. Now, so I, I agree with him in every, in every respect because um, one of the things that I've been doing is, again, I've redirected my focus and energy to... Um, to how to solutions around how to rebuild our communities. And with that, I started a GoFundMe last week with the initial goal of only raising $5,000. And now at this point, it's almost at $13,000. And those funds will be funneled specifically into Black families, Black nonprofit organizations, and Black businesses. And so in that regard, I'm not talking about 
I've shifted my focus from talking about, oh, racism ravaged our communities. And it's like, Tanisha, what can you do to rebuild our communities and focus on the positive? And so that's that's how I received that message. And so those are things that I'm thinking about is how, how as a community can we refocus our efforts and energies into ourselves so that we can be powerful and we can be strong and we can move forward in the best light and not be as impacted by racism as we have been because it's, it's racism is foundational in this country. So it's always going right. to have a role, but right. how can we really minimize and mitigate those circumstances so that we are stronger than ever? So um, to respond, um, the reason why I rolled my eyes is y'all already know where I'm from and y'all know what happened to my community. And for those that are listening out there, I'm from the Greenwood community of Tulsa, Oklahoma, which um, in 1921, had the worst domestic terrorist attack from the American government um, bestowed on Black people. And our entire town was burned down in less than 48 hours. 36 square blocks of our schools, our hospitals, our doctors. There's a picture of our most famous doctor who was lynched and just stumped out. His body was charred. He was laying face up and his arms were like, you know, uh, standing erect when he was just on the ground. It's just a horrifying picture. I actually think that that was one of the pictures that they made postcards of um, and, and to send around, you know, as entertainment to, as trauma porn for white, you know, supremacist folks living across the country. And so, you know, we built our own, we sustained our own, yet white supremacy still found some sort of way to destroy that. And Today, uh, my biggest fight here in the state is dealing with uh, Democrats, actually, <laughs> Democratic white, uh, white liberals who, you know, think they know. And when we try to tell them, hey, this is what black people need. This is what black children need. They don't want to listen because they are still operating in this white supremacy mindset that, you know, somehow we don't know what the hell we're talking about. And that is frustrating, you know, to me. So I'm all down for, um, you know, Black liberation and creating our own. And, you know, if there's some some nice white folks that are ready to get woke or whatever the hell you want to call it, and they want to come to the barbecue, they're invited. Um, but if they, you know, they bring some bullshit, then they got to go. Um, and then also, you know, there is, we're still in, we're still in the diaspora. Like black people in Oklahoma, we're only 7.8, a little bit under 8% of the vote in this state. So we have to change the culture of white supremacy if we want them to stop fucking with us. I, I, I agree. I think that we, you know, to answer Tanisha's question, you know, I'm gonna go back to what I've been saying on all of our lives. We have to get out and mobilize. We have to vote. We have to know what we're voting for. We have to know the processes for holding these people accountable. Um, you know, people are voting here in Atlanta now, and I'm like, okay, that's a pretty poster. That's a pretty face, but what is their track record? See, that is the problem right there. We don't know these people track record. Like we had the opportunity to elect a, you know, state superintendent who had a track record of advocacy and doing the work in the community, but we did not come out and vote. So now we're stuck with the people that we have. And it's like, oh, our budgets are being cut. And what are we going to do? I'll cry me a fucking river because y'all didn't want to get out and vote. Y'all thought it wasn't important. So now we have people who don't look like us who are in these positions and we're like, well, shit, I need to pay my daughter this. I need to do this. This money could be going here, there or anywhere else. Hence the school to prison pipeline, which is why it's not going to our school. So we have to mobilize. We have to vote. You know, I love what this sister said about education and we have to educate ourselves. We can't just go by what I saw on Twitter, what I saw on somebody's goddamn Facebook post. Pick up a book, read an article, educate yourself. Mama and them were saying that and they couldn't even read. They didn't even graduate past the third grade, but they had enough sense to say, let me get educated. I need to read this. I need to hear conversations. I need to see what's happening instead of just going by what looks good and looks pretty. We, we moved too far beyond that. So that is my hope is that we will collectively organize, mobilize, invest in our own community, invest in our schools that are independent schools, that are charter schools. We want better educational outcomes and then we want to tear down the black people that are starting schools. 
Like, come on, we got to do our work too. Now, I'm not going to let down on what Nehemiah is saying. Yeah, our white allies, y'all need to listen. We need you to invest when you get in these rooms where we are not privileged to be in. That's what we need you to say. Hey, we need to probably let them be in, in this room too, giving us a feedback on what we really want to do if we're going to maintain our base, Democrats, if we're going to maintain the policies that we have helped you know, try to develop to change some of the poor ass policies that we put in place. So we have to educate. We got to motivate. We got to mobilize. But more importantly, we have to hold people accountable, including ourselves. So let me, you know, let me jump in. Oh, Ashley, I was going to you. Oh, Ashley, go ahead. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I, I got so much I want to say. But to to piggy, piggybacking off everybody, I think it starts with everything you guys mentioned. Communities, it's a block by block effort. You know, yes. I, I, I go back to, I would say back in the day, even though I'm not, I'm only 28. But like, I remember when people in the community, like, not saying this is all communities at all, but like your grandmother on the block and your uncle on the block or people are more caring about the, the, the how the blocks look, how things are going, neighborhood watch. I know I'm, I'm, I live in... Um, Morgan Park, my block, when the looting was happening, like we outside, like y'all good, everybody okay? Like just that community effort. And I think what I said earlier, the movement is not uh, convenient. We have to take the initiative to do these things. Like back in the day, people got paid to go get signatures for people and things. No, now it's like, if I don't vote a, a specific alderman in, this is gonna affect my community. So I do work from nine to five. I do travel to Springfield. I do do all these other things, but is it coming upon me to get these signatures because I'm tired of the status quo. I'm tired of the aldermen and the political officials and the US senators and the state reps and all these folks who are black that look like us, but forgot the needs of the community. So to the accountable piece, we have to hold all levels of our electeds accountable and what I I preach on a daily basis. It is so so much easier to get a state senator out of office and a state rep out of office. It's easy. Easy in a sense of organizing, mobilizing, and showing people like they don't stand for us. What is is the phrase? Every black person ain't kinfolk or something like that. But like that's real. You have people that get in these offices that probably went in with the right intent but they lost it. And then you have folks in, in, in these seats who have the, the right heart, but they get stuck because their colleagues aren't helping them. So we have to hold them account, accountable because I guarantee you, if you mobilize 50 to 100 people in somebody's district and you go to their office, we are not voting you in again unless, unless you fix this. I guarantee you it would be fire under them. So that I think that's the starting point, the community, the local community, and then we can do state stuff. Um, I think it's taking the initiative. Listen, our generation takes the initiative on getting Jordans when they first come out. We know what Kim K has done before she has even done it. But when it comes to who is your state senator, what does these taxes do? We don't take the initiative for that. So part of it is is the lack of education. And the other half of it is not taking the initiative to be uh, cognizant about what's going on. So, yes, some people are ignorant to what's going on. But a lot of us don't have the excuse to be ignorant when there are so many resources out there. Third thing, and hopefully last thing I'll say on this topic, I think we have to milk our resources. Everybody is connected in different ways. Everybody has their own fight they have to live, but we're also connected and have networks of people. So if Tanisha needed a resource, I may not have it, but Nehemiah may have. So we have to learn to put our resources together because I think we are one of the only groups of people who don't put our resources together. You see the Chinese working together, having their own town. You see all these other people coming together to build resources. But I think sometimes we lack that. And not saying they don't have their own issues. And like you said, Nehemiah, you know, white supremacists and like people tearing, purposely tearing down black communities more than other communities. Totally agree. But now, like Tanisha said, we have to shift the narrative back. Yes, it is racism. Yeah, America is trash most of the time. But what the hell am I doing in my community? What can I be doing? If, if I'm not going to protest, can I donate some money? If, I, if I'm if i not going to donate some money, I can connect you to somebody that can get you what you want. It is a collective effort. And unless we put fire under that shit, it's not going to work. Come on now. Now, just went off. That was great. Just went off. And I, I, I wanted to go to you because 
I wanted all the messages that we've been talking about are messages that we've discussed in um, the march that you're planning on um, Juneteenth. So I just want to give you like some, you know, time to talk about that because it's also one of the solutions to conversations because there was a comment on Facebook asking is voting more important? Which one is important to prioritize right now, voting or voter education? Because people will go out and vote, but traditionally it's just like, okay, black people, we go vote Democrat. And that's what's got us fucked up too. And so talk about those elements included in the march that you're planning and the significance of that march being on Juneteenth. Sure, that's loaded. Um, (laughs) That's me. No, no, no. It's a great question. I think so. How this started is I am for those who are watching. And I think you guys know this by now, but I'm more legislative. Like the policy thing is is where I choose to or where I've been in my career. Um, I am learning and I am building the plane and flying the plane at the same time with people and collaborations that are helping. Um, But this protest is really or March came about because I posted on Facebook like, hey, a million man march would be amazing in Chicago right now. And I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people. And I only say that to say, like, I, I think this is a good example of like just trying to spearhead things. But like my, my purpose in doing the march is because it needs to be collaborative. I don't even have to speak. I've been saying this all week. I don't have to speak at this march because it's not about me. It's about the children I'm going to have whenever Jesus sends a husband, right? So um, th- this march is for uh, people to come together, but also to commemorate Juneteenth, um, June 19th. Not I think the state of Illinois has designated designated Juneteenth on that Saturday. No, we need to commemorate the actual day like y'all do for everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to having actual acts for public officials, uh, legislative officials, and um, holding our communities accountable. So I believe protests and everything that have been going on are amazing. Uh, The momentum is there, but I am hoping that this is uh, more collective of all the black businesses, black folks, black allies. This is black centered um, march um, that we come together and demand these things. And I think Tanisha brought up a good point when we were talking on the phone this week. It needs to be task force and committees and people need to sacrifice time to have these conversations and submit things to the public. And, and people like myself who I think I'm, I'm relatively connected. Like if I don't know somebody, I can get it. I can get you to a legislator, but using your connection so we can make this thing last. Um, so back to the March. Um, I, um, it's Juneteenth. Um, I am working on the logistics, but the goal is to march in the loop downtown to City Hall um, and have a press conference and have these demands present. Um, and also, uh, hopefully, this can be an annual thing where we have like a community fair uh, where we have all the black uh, organizations and nonprofits come together and say, "Hey, I do this effort. I'm I'm black in an environmental justice. Do you want to join?" So we can showcase not only just our businesses, but what communities and grassroots organizations have been doing and have been doing on the ground for a long time. I think to your point before I finish this segment, um, voting, you said what's the difference or what's more important, voting or voting registration? No, voting or voter education. Oh. What's the priority right now Is the, was the question on the Facebook feed. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I have an off-the-record answer and an Ashley answer. I'll give you my Ashley answer. I think voting is essential in general. Um, however, the off-the-record answer is ignorant voting, I think it's worse than voting. Um, and so... We have to take the initiative, like I said, with with every like we do with everything else to educate ourselves. But that requires like leaders like us to I mean, everybody's not going to post a video about politics, but like to take those take those conversations, post things about this is the guy that's running for office. This is why he's great. This is why he may be trash. I take it um, personally not to tell people who to vote for. But if you give people the, the facts, they can kind of like. Fill them out. So I think while voting is very important, our ancestors has, have fought for that right. I think it's very, very, very important to understand who you vote for because all Democrats ain't for us, and that includes the black ones. Um, and so we have to be very cognizant of who we vote for and why we vote for them. Yeah. So Tanisha, I just wanted to add to that point. Also, mm-hmm. even when these people are voted on, like after election day, that's not it. You still yeah. have to follow these people. Well, what's going on? Like, I mean, even in my own community, this the city of Atlanta is always changing policies and how things are going. And you have to hold, you know, people accountable because they depend on that. Well, we know they're going to show up 
for the primary elections. We know they're going to show up for local elections now. But we also know that once they do that, they're going to forget about us. Then we can really go and, you know, change the legislation and do the things that we desire to do because of a lack of accountability. But they do that in every systematic you know, area of America, from schools to healthcare to affordable housing, they depend on us not to hold them accountable. So those who are watching, if you don't leave with anything else, hold our elected officials accountable, but also hold your community leaders accountable. Hold your church leaders accountable. Hold your own household accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable in the part that we all play. You know, I love the comment earlier, everybody doesn't want to be a senator. Everybody doesn't want to be a teacher. Everybody doesn't want to be somebody that's like power to the people. However, we all play a role and we all can get the things that we so desperately need for our future generations. We need this for them because I'm pretty sure that my great-grandparents sacrificed not being able to get an education past third grade so that my sisters and I could be college graduates and beyond. So we need to make the same sacrifices so that our children are not having to face racism in the way that we are facing it right now. We shouldn't be having to go through so many hoops still in 2020 or beyond. So Accountability. We have to hold each other and those that we are putting in these positions accountable. Accountability is key. Yeah. So let's jump to um, in our last couple of minutes while we're talking about all these solutions and all the efforts. Um, One of my cohort members in my fellowship mentioned that, you know, black people have been taught to run themselves to death. And um, in this time, we we definitely need healing and we need self-care so how do we get there how do we balance fighting for our lives but also not losing our lives stress the fuck out fighting racism that's good listen i am in tennessee right now looking currently at a mountain um mm. i have finals this week i'm in grad school at northwestern i'm planning to march i'm still working so i am still learning that however i have learned to prioritize myself because if if i can try to fight all i want but if i'm not here and present and and healthy um and sane i do a disservice to the movement so i have learned to take take the time an hour a day to just decompress and like not be around anybody. And I've learned to, one thing that helps me out, this may sound weird, but when I'm stressed, I read because it, then it helps me kind of recharge me or understand like why I'm tired or why I'm stressed. And I think the, the most practical thing is just take time. When this stuff first started happening, I had, to, and I, I'm the person who will watch the news and like MSNBC all day. I didn't watch it for like four days. And I felt bad for the first two days because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Or, you know, you're always on Twitter. You see in the videos of stuff happening, you want to retweet. I took a four day break. And those first two days, I felt bad. But by the third day, I was like, I'm mentally better. Because for those who are in the public eye and those who do this movement, we have to be cautious of what we say um, and how we do things um, just because we have a, a following and not not filtering ourselves, but just making sure that we are on point and that we're representing the, the cause. And when we tend to not take care of ourselves, that message can sometimes shift or we can find ourselves in situations that we would, wouldn't be in if we take that time to rest. So I would say just a practical way is take the time, take the hour, take the day. Like the movement will be here. Like we'll have to fight this for our entire lives. However, you are more important if you rest. Right. So jump in real quick and just piggyback off what Ashley said. I think it's important too, even though we have a following, but it's important to be able to say what the fuck, what the fuck we want to say, because sometimes holding all that stuff in, will again stress us out. And so I'm glad that we have this platform and others to just like sound off about how we feel because that's a stress reliever too. Go ahead, Nick. The name of it is Talk That Shit. So, um, <laughs> but um, I agree to Ashley's point. You know, we, we do have to unplug and I, I had to learn that uh, the hard way of almost getting burnt out from last year. Um, and this week, you know, to be honest with you, like this has been the hardest week. I was telling my friend yesterday, this has been the hardest week for us at the Black Wall Street Times. So we had, as of last night, um, we had 279,000 visitors to the Black Wall Street Times website. That is, it's insane. 
to think of to think that that many people could could come. But that also means that you need more bodies to like manage and you know to keep content fresh and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the type of content that we're putting out now is all revolutionary work because it has everything to do with. Uh, improving the lives of, of black people here in Oklahoma and across the country. Um, but I've learned that, you know, you have to find people that you trust depending on what type of job it is. And you have to ask, ask for help, ask them for help and say, Hey, look, you know, is I'm really busy. I really, really could use a hand. And if you trust that person, you know, let them take some of that load off. So this is really important. You know, you gotta, you gotta find some people that you can trust in, and have the uh, the capacity to give it so they can help you carry that load. Yeah. So that's my advice. Um, I I wanted to just add, you know, in self-care, I wrote about that in a blog recently on Atlanta, and I shared, you know, some of the things that, you know, I do. Of course, reading is one. Uh, that's the nerd in me, but I love reading. Uh, I'm actually reading one of Charlemagne's book, which is actually <laughs> so connecting to what's happening um, right now. Um, but also just taking a moment to unwind, you know, away from my phone, you know, kind of just away from the dog, away from my fiance, like whether it's in the restroom, whether it's outside, um, you know, I spend my, I see myself being outside a lot. I have a favorite tree in the backyard and I just kind of, you know, sit and think and reflect and, you know, really, if I could be honest, just taking time to just listen to the birds and listening to the voice of God, like, you know, in the midst of my anger and frustration, I don't want to act in a manner that is harmful to other people because I'm just so pissed off with what I feel is like the absolute wrong thing that should be happening when we know we could be doing the right thing. Um, so finding that time to, you know, unplug, um, you know, finding time to laugh and smile, uh, spending time with loved ones, you know, getting the chance to pick up the phone. If you still have grandparents that are alive, call them, you know, talk to them about, you know, just life. Like, how are you doing? Like sometimes people just want to, hear your voice. So we have to, you know, have a good balance of doing the things that bring us joy, um, doing the things that bring us peace. Um, You know, I am going to, you know, also put out here that, you know, the need for, you know, more mental health services, you know, it's nothing wrong with therapy. It's nothing wrong with having someone that you can confide in, whether it's a therapist, someone who's trained, it's a life coach. Um, If it's your best friend, um, if it's, let me put this up right here. I gave one of one of my students, even if it's a journal, you know, being able to write those thoughts down, but taking a break from the media. We know the media is biased towards us. Um, taking away a break from social media, taking a break from the plans for organizing and, and just for a moment, um, just be thankful for what we do have, which is our greatest gift, which is life. And so we have to take time to enjoy that. So that's just some of the things, exercise um, and just sitting in silence. There's nothing wrong with that. Just actually sitting down and not having anything to do is actually some of the, the best time we can have in our day. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm going to close this out. I'm not even going to repeat um, or say my self-care tactics because y'all have said it all. And um, the last or commented, I am big on self-care. I really am. I am a self-care enforcer. Um, and just because we do this work all day, you know, and so I am a person if I am talking about racism and oppression all day because it's required in my day job, I'm cutting it off at a certain hour. I'm cutting it off on the weekends. Don't hit me up. Don't ask about nothing. I want to have completely blind moments because I live that shit all day, every day. And so mm-hmm. sometimes you need a break. You cannot live in oppression 24-7. You cannot. Um, but when we talk about healing itself, I want to touch on that before we went out. For me, what's been healing is really being in community. And I think we overlook that. Um, Being around my people, even though we were working to clean up communities last week, like being around the souls of black folks was so restoring, you know. And so, like Jason said, seek your loved ones, have conversations, check in on people, see how they're doing. Because you somebody somebody may be doing bad, somebody may be doing well, but somehow they may be able to fill your cup to some capacity or give you something to think about, give you a way to, you know, support them. So be in community. I think, you know, again, we overlooked that that piece um, and it's important. So um, if y'all have any recommendations on how to heal, definitely drop them in the chat because we are in that space right now. and We have to heal, but we also have to keep fighting and we have to build, but we have to maintain self-care. 
So we want to keep having those conversations so that we can make sure that we're good for ourselves and for um, our future communities. So with that, y'all, we are out. Um, I want to thank Ashley, Jason, Neo for being on the show. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all come back. We coming back every week. Today, the title was um, Young, Black, and Tired. I think that this conversation was young, black, and inspiring. So I hope that y'all pick that up. Um, Until next time, y'all stay safe, stay um, build that love, build that unity, and take care of yourselves. We out, y'all. Keep the voice.